Welcome to the Mama Bear Apologetics Podcast. A podcast where we teach you to roar like a mother. And by roar, we mean recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and reinforce these ideas with your kids. Unless you want to growl around your house. I mean, that's cool too. <laughs> You're like, check it. We keep it reels. <laughs> that's so bad. You're awesome. Mama Bear Apologetics is a listener-supported program, so if you like what we do, head on over to the Mama Bear Apologetics website and click support. It's time to rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another Mama Bear Apologetics podcast. We have had such an awesome series going. We have had Alyssa Childers on talking about progressive Christianity. We've had Matthew Middleberg discussing miracles and how we can explain them to their kids. And I'm so excited for today because today we have Monique, who is the founder of the Center of Biblical Unity. And she's going to be on today to talk to us a little bit about how to explain tolerance to our kids uh, from the biblical worldview and how we can help them to be able to not only stand firm in the faith, but be a great witness to their friends as well. Monique is, is awesome. She's got, uh, let's see, you've got your degree in sociology from Biola, correct? Yes, my BA. Mm-hmm. Yes, awesome. She's also been on on multiple shows. So she's been on Relatable with Ali Beth Stuckey. She's also been with Alyssa Childers on her podcast. And of course, Breakpoint with John Stone Street. So Monique, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today. We are so grateful to have you on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's no. good to be here. Oh gosh, I'm so excited. And it was so funny before we got on the podcast, I realized that, yeah, she's East Coast. So I made her get up at eight o'clock. So she looks this amazing at eight o'clock in the morning. So, I mean, awesome for that. So Monique, I have prayer. Yeah, right. (laughs) Prayer and some L'Oreal. So I've been dying to know, and I'm sure our, our listeners are wanting to know too, can you just share a little bit more about yourself and the Center for Biblical Unity, like how it came about, what, you know, just sort of a little background on your ministry. Yeah. So um, for people who are new to me and the Center for Biblical Unity, I am Monique Dusan, and I am born and raised in Los Angeles for the, gosh, South Los Angeles for the first 15, 16 years of my life, and then moved up to a suburb of LA. And I've done everything from social service work to children's ministry to serving as a missionary abroad in South Africa. I am really passionate about justice and children specifically. And the Center for Biblical Unity came about after I moved home from South Africa in 2018. Um, In 2019, at the end of 2018 and 2019, I really understood and um, was observing just how different America was the, the America that I came home to versus the America mm-hmm. that I left in 2014. Mm-hmm. And I was working and had an intern who um, was in school and was going through a lot of issues with black and brown students in her university due to things like critical race theory, anti-racism, social justice. And those students were calling for the resignation of many white professors and the, um, the, president at that time. And so in conversations with her and just processing a lot of her emotions with her, I, and in conversation with the Lord and in conversation with my ministry partner, Krista Bontrager, mm-hmm. the Lord really began to, to put it on my heart. Like this isn't right. Now, 
what I failed to say in the beginning was that I actually upheld the critical race theory framework. It was something that I thought was right, that I believed in social justice and all of that. And so as I'm having these conversations and as I'm in prayer with the Lord, he begins to really, you know, break down this paradigm that I hold or that I was holding. Mm -hmm. And in, let's see, at the end of 2019 is when he spoke to me about the Center for Biblical Unity and to really be a hub where people can get um, true biblical unity and understand that we are one family truly because we are in the the household of God. Mm -hmm. He is our father. And, you know, if you just go through Ephesians, all of the wording that talks about our familial relationship and how we are to participate with one another and the fact that he's broken down the dividing walls of hostility. And so there was that. Now I was disobedient at first. I said no, Um, but that's okay. We've all been there at times. Scott says yeah. go, and we say, no, yeah. I don't really like, want No, to. no, no, not today. <laughs> um, but yeah, eventually I'd say around the beginning of January of 2020 mm. is when I became more serious about this and really thought, okay, well, Lord, if you're really saying this, then I'll go for it. Now, that my, my heart posture changed after Krista told me I was disobedient. But, you know, (laughs) you always need someone in your life who's extremely blunt and bold. And so there was that. Like, you are disobedient. The Lord (laughs) has told you to do something. And so um, moved forward with it and became a full entity in California in February of 2020. And we've been going forward since then. Wow, that is awesome. Now, I, just kind of going off script here, with being in California, have you noticed any tension with your ministry? Because um, it seems like, you know, California as well as the East Coast, a lot of a lot of CRT is really kind of starting to take root, root in those areas. Have you seen a lot of maybe opposition there or are you seeing a lot of growth as well? You know, thankfully, we haven't had a lot of... Um, opposition, like physically where we are. I think more of that because our platforms are on social media, a lot of that comes through social media. So people who would consider themselves social justice warriors or, um, you know, anti-racist and things like that will write Mm -hmm. in or troll and things. But it's, we've been, I would say, quite blessed not to have to deal with that on such a high level, even though we do have, you know, a decent sized platform on all of our social social media platforms. And so I'm just thankful for that because um, one of my my goals is really to protect the family because I do see us as a family and I want people to be able to understand that when you're here, this is a place where we participate as family. You don't participate as like the rogue person from the outside who's going to come in to injure people because Mm -hmm. then, you know, then we have to have other conversations. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that really speaks to, you know, James 317, where it says wisdom is open to reason. And that's what I love about this is this is a a safe space to come, to be able to reason, to, uh, you know, share ideas and everything and and work things out. So I, I love that. I think that's awesome. Now, I was reading through your blog, uh, Father, Son, and Anti-Racism. You make a really great statement. You say, if we do not have clearly defined terms, we may find ourselves advocating for the very things that God 
would have us stand against. And that's one thing we and Mama Bear, we completely agree with, especially with this concept uh, that has been fostered through linguistic theft, which if you haven't read the Mama Bear book is all about where there's this word and it had a generally understood and agreed upon definition, but all of a sudden this word has been thefted and changed to encompass all sorts of things that we may not be realizing. And so I wanted to ask you as someone who is in the trenches in this, have you seen this happen with the word tolerance? And why do you think this has happened? Yeah, I've seen it happen with quite a few words, actually. And tolerance is one of those words. And I think there's, um, with any word, well, one, words do shift over time. Like you can look right. back and think about the word cool. Well, cool meant, used to mean that it was cool. It was, yeah. it was cool, colder outside. You know, it wasn't necessarily frigid, but it was definitely chilly. Mm-hmm. And then, you know... Time passes and cool. Now it it means something. Well, that's cool. That's good. Mm-hmm. You know. And so True. it's kind of been like like word shift. And I think that 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 can have a natural progression over time. But then there's there's times when things can be very intentional as well. And so I think the word tolerance has almost just been hijacked by by culture. Or you know we can even look at words like racism or love or you know some of these other words justice social justice. Yeah. You know these these are words that used to have one meaning but now have a different meaning. And I think and I'm not like a linguistic theft expert. So I'll put that out there. (laughs) But I think, or I wonder if it's to continue to promote a narrative so Mm. that culture can go a certain way. Yeah. And that was going to be my next question is sort of what is the goal when we, when we think of these words being changed? And, and I think you said it right there. It's just to keep sure, keep the, the narrative going in a certain direction. Now, can you go into a little more detail? How have you seen tolerance? What, what's been sort of smuggled into tolerance? tolerance right now is a thing of you must accept me Mm. and so there's no room for conversation if you are going to be tolerant you are going to accept and whatever the acceptance is so unless unfortunately it's historic christianity um but you know if you're going to be tolerant you're going to be accepting and supportive of lgbtq plus if you are tolerant you're going to be accepting of supporting um accepting and supporting of um or supportive of black people of brown mm-hmm. people um and not to say that we shouldn't be um, right. or that we should be hateful but the acceptance also comes with its own set of rules and regulations yeah, And so we have to understand what it's all connected to. We can't just say, well, yes, I'm tolerant because I don't hate these people. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you choose to, to live in an LGBTQ lifestyle, I don't want you to die. Like, I don't want you to, you know, wish harm upon you. That isn't necessarily what people are saying these days. It's that you won't speak out against this. You won't, your biblical belief or view is now second to the, to tolerance. Mm. to the acceptance of whatever the lifestyle is that someone is putting before you, whatever that sin is. It doesn't necessarily have to be LGBTQ+, that's just an example. It could be pornography. It could be, you know, whatever someone is saying you should be tolerant of. Wow. So it almost seems like there's, there's this secondary endorsement too. It's not only do you have to tolerate it in the traditional sense of being around it, but there's also this, now you have to not only accept it, but almost endorse it, so to speak. So yes, not speak out against it. Mm. Um, 
not, you know, not oppress someone with your thoughts, beliefs, religion, you know, all of these, these um, ways in which people are accepted is now going to, is now moving into be like this new idea of tolerance. Oh, wow. Now, contrary to our culture's current understanding of tolerance, how is the biblical understanding of tolerance different? Well, I think that the, the, in order to understand the, the biblical definition and even to understand why this new definition is so important is that the old, we have to understand the old definition. Yeah. And so part of the old definition allowed me to disagree. Mm. Part of the old definition said, hey, look, we, I, I might not like this, but, you know, we can, we can have a conversation about our, our common disagreement or the places where, where we don't really meet necessarily. And I can still go to dinner with you later. I can still, you know, well, that's good. go shopping with you. Yeah. But now if, if I am intolerant mm. or deemed to be intolerant, I'll say that the relationship is broken. We don't, there's no room for us to walk together. If yeah. I don't agree with someone's definition of racism, then, you know, we, we can't really go forward. If I don't agree with your definition of marriage, we can't go forward. And the way that this is now threaded through even more is that our words are just completely deemed as being violent or traumatic. And yeah. so as soon as I say, well, have you considered this? Mm -hmm. You know, have you considered the other, the biblical view? I am now, you know, oppressive. I am intolerant. I have traumatized someone by my words. Wow. So in looking at the biblical definition, I would say, I, and I don't know that the word tolerant is actually threaded through scripture anywhere, but um, I think that we can look at some principles of things that would um, overlap with tolerance, like bearing with one another in love bearing each other's burdens, um, like standing, standing with one. And there's a scripture that I, um, in, in Galatians, it says to, to bear with one another. And in, um, in Ephesians four, it mm -hmm. talks about bearing with one another. Oh yeah. Um, Ephesians four too. Mm -hmm. being long suffering. I think the, the Galatians one is either Galatians three or six, but um, being long suffering. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to walk things out with you. I'm yeah. going to, to stand with you. I'm going to, going to go the long haul. I'm not going to be easily offended. I'm mm -hmm. going to, to, to basically love you and, and love you through some hard things. Like, yes, I understand that, that these are, um, you know, places where we may disagree, places where we may have, you know, some, some scratchy surfaces, mm -hmm. but we will still go together. I, I'm going to, to even to, in, in the point of disagreement, still stay in relationship with you as much as possible. Yeah. Now, that said, there are also places when people will enter into unbelief, where people will enter into sin, where mm -hmm. we see that we are to treat someone as the unbeliever. So there is also, I'm not saying that we tolerate people or that we are so long suffering with, with individuals that it's harmful to us. You know, I want to make sure that, that I hear um, that you hear that. Like, I'm not saying that we are just tolerant right. through abuse or abusive situations. 
what I am saying is that scripture does call us to be long suffering, to go again with one another mm-hmm. and to have an attitude and heart posture that is for the other. Our unity is for a purpose. And so I think that tolerance is, is um, shown through some of those things. So th- that would be some of the biblical examples that I would put forward as um, a, a example or a principle of today what we call tolerance with one another, like that going again, yeah. just continuing to go again and not just leaving your brother or sister on the road because you disagree with one another. Yeah, no, and I, I completely agree. And I think that's something that we've sort of lost in the church is that sort of ability to to be real with one another, to be able to be, like you said earlier, to be blunt with one another and be like, hey, you know what? I love you so much that I'm not going to mince words. You know, here's mm-hmm. here's an error. Here's a problem. But it's, and that's that that's that awesome part of, you know, I'm, I'm not judging you. What I am is saying, okay, here's an issue. I'm holding, it's that accountability. And I think to some extent, we've kind of lost that within culture because we've got this whole idolization of individuality and no, I'm going to do me and you do you. And as long as we don't clash, you know, then we'll be okay. And so it's such a, such a needed thing in the church. But one thing that, that brought to mind when you were describing uh, sort of cultural tolerance and biblical tolerance is this seems like this tension here would be problematic when it comes to parents reading scripture with their kids. And what came to mind is that the story of the, of the Samaritan woman at the well, you know, Jesus came over and spoke to this woman, but he also spoke truth. It was in grace, of course, but he did, uh, you know, hold her accountable and an heir to her sin, which is very contrary to what sort of the cultural definition of tolerance would be the fact that he brought up that she was an error i think today would get a lot of pushback like how dare you bring that up to her or say that to her you have no right to sort of enforce your truth uh, i think would probably be lobbed at them and so I, th- I think that's where there could be a bit of a problem with if folks have accepted sort of the current definition of tolerance this would make scripture very difficult in in a lot of places because again we are uh, jesus did not um he did not tolerate sin. He, he, uh, he loved people, but he also held people accountable and he didn't compromise. And that's, that can be a bit dicey, I think, for a believer. Yeah. And I think it's also important to note that the word says to judge rightly. Yes. And so, yes, like we are called to judge. There are things that we will judge. And and our culture is like, well, that's so judgmental. That's intolerant. You shouldn't (laughs) judge. Christians aren't supposed to judge. That's Christian privilege. Well, the word says, and, and I hold the word above culture mm. and culture standards. So yes, I do judge. Yes. I, I said, this is sin. Mm. Th- that, that I'm, I'm sorry, you might not like that, but that is sin. And when I talk to children, I can, we can one influence them or teach them from a biblical worldview so that they have an understanding of things that are true, good, beautiful. Like how do, how do we, inform children and teach children from a biblical worldview and a a biblical Christ-centered identity. This is where we have to start so that we can thread through things like tolerance or things like truth. Because before we can talk about tolerance, we need to talk about truth. Because what people are asking you to to tolerate is not necessarily truth. So would you say truth is kind of like the center point? Like you have to have that solid definition of truth. Otherwise you can't really, you can't launch out into anything because then you could be talking about two separate things. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and the biblical definitions of that. And so how do we, how do we train children 
in in a biblical worldview. I know you guys are familiar with Elizabeth Urbanowitz. So yes. um, foundation worldview and her mm-hmm. um, worldview curriculum really threading through um, things like what are what is true mm-hmm. and and it's so important. And, and I'm starting with young kids because this is this is where they need to get it. They need to be having these conversations at very early ages so that when, you know, your teacher or, the, you know, the kid's teacher in kindergarten or first grade says, well, you know, you can use these pronouns if you mm. are a girl, he, him, his. Or I just saw something and um, the pronoun was tree. I, I know pronoun tree isn't a pronoun, but that was one of the examples that was given. Oh, wow. And it's like, is that true? Mm. No. Well, and, and then, so, oh, go ahead. How do we, I'm, no, I'm just going to say like, you know, then let's talk about what are we tolerating and what does that mean? Right. No, and that, and that launches us perfectly in, into my next uh, question, because of course, you know, Mama Bear, we're all about equipping parents on how they can train up their kids. And so how are you seeing this being marketed toward Gen Z and younger? Like how, how, are, how is this being packaged? Um, like I know the other day there, it came across my Twitter feed of this video that this gal had made to be used in an elementary school. And all these people were commenting like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to use this video. And it was basically just little snapshots of showing like, um, a, a white child and uh, either a black or brown child, and they, they were going through different things and basically to show how there is inherent sort of white privilege and that sort of thing. So I know that's an example of, of video use, but how are you, since you're kind of in the thick of it, how have you seen this being marketed toward kids? Well, I think not just in the marketing to kids, um, but we have to remember like as children socialize, as children grow, like the idea of wanting to be accepted and be, be inclusive, just naturally, like wanting yeah. friendships and relationships, that's just natural. And so what tolerance does and the way it's being marketed is that you don't want to leave anyone out. You don't want to be the person who's intolerant right. and now saying that your person who may identify as non- non-binary is, you know, bad. You don't want to leave out the person who, you know, believes that white people are, you know, this way. You, like, mm-hmm. you don't want to, to leave anyone behind. This is a very inclusive group. Right. And so um, I, I think it's being marketed that way. Like, you can walk in any Target right now during Pride Month and right. it's love is love. Mm-hmm. Let's include everyone. Love is love. And so if love is love, then you shouldn't be speaking out against, you know, anyone who identifies or um, has a different version of love than you do. Mm. Come on, let's wrap everybody in. And it's all the way from baby onesies to toddler clothes all the way up. That's true. Yeah, no, and it's I've seen it too with a slightly separate concept of, of sex positivity. It's that same sort of word bait and switch in a way of of you endorse all sexual activity, that's positivity. But if you affirm the Christian biblical sexual ethic, then you're being sex negative. Like that's the only way to yeah. be negative. So uh, so we're seeing this. In, in all different ways. And it is, it's that clever packaging, that clever marketing, because we do, we all want to be supportive, inclusive. And I think especially, you know, with even how cartoons and movies are, who are we always rooting for? The underdog. And, uh, you know, we have to be, we have to be careful though, that the underdog, that we're, that we're not actually affirming things that are uh, biblically untrue in an effort to try and make everybody 
the winner, so to speak. And, uh, and, and it even requires some separate navigating of, okay, you know, what are they in, in this effort to include everyone? What are they also sort of smuggling in about concepts of identity too? Like the, you have to affirm this or else you're, you know, completely tossing me as a whole person aside. And that, Mm -hmm. that especially for kids. And I know of teens that I've worked with, they feel very uncomfortable in that. They feel like they, if it's between Christ and their friends' beliefs, whether it's about gender, race, or whatever, they feel like, well, I have to sacrifice Christ in order to affirm my friend, because if I don't affirm this aspect of my friend, I'm shutting them down as a whole person. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I've, I've found that just in my own experience to be really dicey among teens, as they think, well, if I don't affirm this small aspect, I'm trashing a person's entire identity. Yes. And then that's reaffirmed, not just through culture, but unfortunately in many Christian circles, either in church or schools, universities, where um, certain things are just now being propped up as normal or normative. Yeah. And so all of the the sexual normativity, mm-hmm. that is, that's just you know, being put out there or things like anti-racism, that anti-racism should just be our normal way of, of living with one another. And so it, it does put young people in a place of saying, you know, if I don't do this, then I am going against the grain. If I don't believe this, support this, then I'm going against the grain and I'm going to um, exclude people. And that is bad. Yeah. And I should not do that. Mm-hmm. So now, now they see themselves as putting down someone else's identity, but it's a, it's a double-edged sword almost because their identity also suffers because now they can't live truly in the God-given identity that God has given them. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Now at, at Mama Bear, we, we love the concept of chewing and spit, which is where we're, we're not afraid of ideas. We want to engage with them. But of course, we, we, you spit out the bad and then you take in the good. So with our kids in regard to, and not just tolerance, I know our, our talk today has been about tolerance, but there's so many other words that, as you mentioned before, love, justice, uh, that are being roped into this. What are some practical ways that we can not only help ourselves, but also help our kids understand these issues that are so cleverly marketed and, and just entrenched within even their little social circles, especially social media. You know, how can, how can we help our kids sort of recognize uh, when maybe something is coming in that isn't quite right? Are, are there any key phrases or terms uh, that you have encountered that are kind of dead giveaways? You mean for, for kids, for parents to understand that their kids have come in con- into contact with something? Well, yeah, not only that, but also to help their kids, sort of like, hey, kids, you know, here, here are some things that you can do to help uh, sort of strengthen your, your biblical radar, your worldview radar, um, to maybe some, some contrary ideas that are out there. One, you need to get in the word with your kids. Yeah. Kids need to understand scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thinking that we have like secret little nuggets or, you know, if you just say this one sentence, that's yeah. not it. Because the culture is giving your kids sentences after sentences after sentences that bombard them daily. We need to ground our kids in a biblical worldview and ground mm-hmm. them in truth. And so when, when culture comes in and says, well, racism is prejudice plus power, you know, so that means that all white people who have, you know, they have power, so they're all racist. Well, what's true? What does mm-hmm. the scripture say? Bring them back to the word. Now, if, if we're looking at things like tolerance and culture is saying, well, you need to be tolerant and that's intolerant mm. and it's not kind to be intolerant. What does the word say? 
How does the word say we are to participate with each other? How does the word, what is, how does the word define sin? And what does the word tell us to do when we encounter sin? So we need to be grounding kids. I was in their biblical worldview and in truth in scripture in my work with young people, and I've had quite a bit of work with young people, I love the fact that they can take truth. Like you can have mm. a real conversation with kids that you can't sometimes have with adults because you know you got trying to navigate the feelings and go around <laughs> things. And like, yes. oh, I know that that came up last week. Mm-hmm. You know, but with a child, especially I would say that seventh grade, like in the sixth grade, seventh grade through high school age, you can sit down and be like, look, this is what we believe. And this might be hard to, what are you thinking about this? And if the earlier you start them, the more they'll become used to the conversation. And that doesn't mean it's always going to be easy, but they are listening. Yeah. So even in having a conversation where they might sit there and be like, mom, really like this is kind of boring or dad, no, for real, you know, that is not a 100% like meaning that they are not listening Mm. in my conversations with kids all the time. It's like, well, my mom said, or my dad told me, or my aunt had told me, you know, they are listening, but we, at least in my experience, I've found many parents have stepped back from that conversation out of fear for either putting them into something too early or fear of making them upset, offending them, not wanting them to be different from, um, you know, their their friends at school and things like that. We have to understand that if we are going to raise the next generation of believers, they have to be countercultural. They are going to be countercultural if they are going to survive. And so I would say making sure that you're grounding them in truth and um, in the scriptures, in, in a biblical worldview, not necessarily, in my opinion, um, you know, like little nuggets. I would also say, ask lots of questions. What do you mean by that? So yeah. I just look at me, I just said not lots of nuggets, but what do you mean <laughs> by that is always a good one to go to because it's yeah. open-ended and it makes them think that you just said something. I didn't say it. So mm-hmm. now think about what you said and why you said it. What do you mean by that? Yeah. No, I I completely agree. Uh, that that's that's awesome, especially yeah, because they are they are listening and and kids are wanting to know. And I think that's one thing that you know we as parents we have to kind of we have to believe that that the way that the sort of sitcoms and everything's portrayed teens isn't exactly accurate because they always say, oh, the kids don't want to listen. And well, yeah, they may roll their eyes, but they actually are listening and they do want to know. They have these big questions. And I've, I've seen kids uh, have really amazing conversations and debates in, in high school apologetics classes for the Christian private school I've worked at. And it's awesome to see them go because yeah, they are, they want to wrestle with these issues. And sometimes mm-hmm. we as adults, we, we don't quite give them enough credit. Or as you said, there, there's way too many feelings and I, feelings are important. They have a purpose, but they're highly overrated most of the time. And I think our culture today especially likes to try and pray and foster on those feelings because if we can have an emotional reaction, right, we're usually not thinking as well. Whereas with our kids, we want them to slow down. Okay, maybe something gets you fired up, passionate, whatever, that's great, but let's think about this carefully. And yeah, those those little conversations, um, uh, watching TV, uh, the news especially is also, I think would probably be a good route to go with with kids because then you can actually see it in action, pause things and say, okay, wait, what are they saying here? What do they really mean? And just getting them actively thinking. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I'd imagine that your uh, that talks about these issues would probably be really appealing to a lot of teens. Have you had breakout sessions before with sort of younger age ages? Um, 
I have not. So I used to be a children's minister and or a children's pastor, a children's director. That was it. Sorry. Um, and um, the I would have tons of just talks with kids and I would like take them on trips or do small groups or, you know, whatever. So I had tons of opportunities to to be with kids. And then in South Africa, um, all of my work was with children. And so we threaded through in South Africa, especially the cultural things there that were happening. And how do you see this playing out in in your life in real time? Mm. And I don't think that much of that is different than here. The cultural context might be different, but the developmental stage would, would be the same. And so how do we have conversations that really highlight what's happening around them and get them thinking critically about what's going on? And, um, you know, one of the things that I think parents will say is my kid won't talk to me or they won't, they don't want to talk Mm -hmm. about that and stuff like that. And it's like, well, you know, ask the question and then prep them and let them know if you don't want to talk about it right now, we will be talking about it later and you give them a specific time so that they can also be ready and say hey we're going to be talking about this um because it is important to be able to to model you know thinking skills and logic and Mm -hmm. how do we think through the important things of of life because they're going to be faced with it at some point in their life yeah yeah we definitely don't want to be the ones running to catch up when they are faced with it so yes. that is, that is awesome. Well, Monique, what are some resources that you have come into contact with, whether it's, it's your own or things that you've seen that you think would probably be really helpful for helping parents get, get these conversations going? So I would say um, definitely Elizabeth Urbanovitz um, Foundation Worldview Curriculum. Just getting kids into a a solid worldview, a Christian worldview, understanding the foundations, and then all of Natasha Crane's books. Um, she has mm-hmm. two right now, and um, she's working on the third one. But just talking with your kids, you know, how do you talk to your kids about Jesus? Like, mm-hmm. how? What do you do? Like, it and it's. It's not, you know, oh, well, you're failing as a parent if you don't. No, these are these are difficult conversations and hard to thread through. And people mm-hmm. are, you know, like, oh, I don't know if I should say this or how do I do that? You know, get resources and and equip yourself to be able to, to have those conversations. Um, I would also say, you know, I know you've had on Alisa. Mm-hmm. Lisa Childers, but her book on progressive Christianity. I, as as parents, as leaders of young people, we have to understand what's going on if we want to speak into what's going on. Yeah. I will try and read a lot of first sources, so things that I might may not um, necessarily agree with, but just because I don't agree with it doesn't mean that it's not important to understand because when my kid comes home and says, "Well, mom, I'm an anti-racist now," I want to know exactly what that is. Yeah. No, I think that's, yeah, definitely important to go to the original source and say, okay, because, yeah. and it's important to, to be able to, to reason with that charitably and represent the other side charitably, because we don't, we don't want to be building up straw men. We don't want to be uh, unfair or maligning something of what they're saying. We want to be as charitable as possible. Yes. And then we have a curriculum coming out in um, July, July 31st, and it's called Reconciled. And it talks about our unity in Christ, how wow. we as um, as believers are reconciled. And I think that's awesome to, to take young people, probably high schoolers, um, I, that would be the age that I, w- I could see it starting with, mm-hmm. um, 
walk through, walking through what does it mean to be reconciled um, to God and to each other? What does it mean to walk in unity as believers? And how does that contrast with what we're being sold by culture right now? Oh, that is awesome. I'm, I'm excited for that curriculum to come out. That's awesome. I didn't know that you were, you were bringing something. That's so great. Yes. Now, are you speaking at any conferences here coming up? We've got this, the States opening back up. People are starting to get out and mingle. Are you going to be anywhere to where if anyone local can come in and see? Gosh, I just got home from, um, 12 days away. So I spent wow. at Wilberforce weekend, um, which is the Colson Center's annual conference. I did a training in Texas and then um, just spoke to 950 teens, an organization wow. called Teen Pact. And so I'm kind of home for a little bit. I will be traveling nice. in July doing some um, ministry work with a private um nonprofit organization, but people can always, if they want to have myself or my ministry partner, Krista, or us together, come out and either train or speak. You can reach out to us at the center for biblical unity.com. And actually I said that wrong. It's center for biblical unity.com. And you can just click on that speaking tab and fill out an inquiry form. And we will get back to you to set up a time for us to come out. That is awesome. Folks, you've got to take advantage of that. Seriously. These are just such great conversations. And we, gosh, we, we just skim just the top of the, of the iceberg. And there's so much that, that can go in. So definitely make use of Monique, her resources, this new curriculum that's coming out in July, which is so exciting. Monique, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking with us a little bit. Your encouragements are, are so helpful. I know it's going to equip a lot of parents and parents, everything that uh, the resources that were handed out, definitely look into them because again, they're so many, and, and I think that's one of the big differences is so often we parents, we focus on teaching from a biblical worldview that we forget to teach our kids to know what a biblical worldview is, how to recognize it, how it's formed, and how there are other worldviews in culture. So it's definitely important for us, uh, especially nowadays, how it's so easy to, to have, you know, Christianized sports and cheer teams and dance things and, and homeschool and co-ops and all these great things. They're, they're great things, but we need to make sure that we're also teaching our kids what exactly is a worldview and not just teaching from a biblical worldview. So definitely take advantage of the resources out there. Monique, you got any final encouragements or words of wisdom or anything for our parents? You good to go, girl. You know what? I would just say, take it one step at a time, yeah. one step at a time and um, know that your kids are watching and they're curious. Mm. So yes, ground them into a biblical worldview. Here are. And parents, um, today it can, in, can seem intimidating if you haven't started your kids off from the time they were in pampers, you know, with all of this apologetics worldview, all of these sorts of teachings. But let me encourage you, as long as they, as long as they are coming home to your house to do laundry, mm -hmm. you got time to speak into them, parents. So, so don't, yes. don't quit just because they're going off to college or they've been in college or they're engaged or whatever. Keep speaking to your kiddos because they are listening regardless of their age. Yep. Thank you so much, mom and papas, for tuning in. Stay tuned for more great podcasts. If you've enjoyed what you've listened to, like and subscribe down below. Chat with us in our comments. Go to mamabearapologetics.com. Uh, reach out to us there. If you've got a question, a comment, if you've got something, a topic maybe that you would like to hear, reach out to us because we are always open to suggestions. Thank you again, mamas, for sticking with us, and we'll see you next time. This has been a Mama Bear Apologetics recording. 
To learn more about Mama Bear Apologetics, please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com. We hope you learned a little more about how to sift through ideas, accept the good, reject the bad, and now you can go teach your kids to do the same. Do you have any questions or maybe some ideas about future podcast episodes? Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we'll do our best. Rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. We are all in this together.